Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey guys, certification roundup time. Um, You know, I'm always preaching, go a little deeper in your practice and take some certifications. So I wanted to let you know, this year we have added so many more. But like usual, we have our teacher training, which is a great certification if you want to deepen your practice or you're looking to teach. We have Reiki certification at all levels. Our sound certification has been added. So if you want to learn how to play the bowls, that's for you. Akashic Records, both basic and advanced. And intuitive healing, which is always one of our more popular ones that we run a few times a year. Crystal certification being added and a tarot reading certification. So please, if you're interested, go to denmeditation.com, go to certifications, check out the schedule, or you can email denteachertraining at denmeditation.com and we can answer any questions you have as well. But here's some good news. If you don't live in LA or you don't have the time to like come in at our schedule, a few of these are already on our denanywhere.com site and you can do them at your own leisure. So go to denanywhere.com, check out what we have there and we're always adding as well. So I hope you join us this year and get certified. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and founder of Den Meditation. I have Megan Monahan on. I'm so excited to have her here. I've been wanting to talk to her for a long time. She is a meditation teacher. She's from Jersey, so you know I'm particularly excited about that. But what I love about it and the Jersey part that comes out is she's so grounded and she just tells it like it is. So we really kind of walk through some of the basics of meditation and why it's beneficial. I know conversations you've heard before, but she has such a great point of view and such a way that's going to make any of you that are still struggling to get a regular practice going, you might be trying, I think this will be kind of the information that'll help you get over the hump. She has a great new book out, Don't Hate Meditate, which we chat a lot about as well. I think you're going to love this episode. She is hilarious, really funny, really fun to listen to. And like I said, just blunt New Jersey East Coast, which is such a great combination in the spiritual world. I hope you enjoy it. Take during. I'm one of those people that's annoyingly sensitive to sound, so I try not to. I'm like, I don't. So I think I have sensitive. that disease. You know, it's called. That. What is it called? It's called. I have it. It's 
called irrational. No, no, there's a thing. No, no, I Where have you, it. Like the sound of people eating. Chewing. Or this, no, no, it, I have it. I forget. My, hus- my husband, boyfriend, I, it's the same person. I use yeah. both words. He sent it to me when we first started yeah. dating because his ex-girlfriend had it. Yeah. And he was like, I think you and Sarah both have this. Yeah. And he sent it to me and I was like, oh my God. And then I used to work with his ex a lot. And I was like... Sarah, I have it. Yeah. I mean, it's all, like I can't hear people chewing gum. Like when that person emailed us about gum, like selling CBD gum here, I You're just like, wrote absolutely back, absolutely no, no gum in the studio. <laughs> like I can't do it. I have to tell I people I work it. with all the time. I'm like, yeah. I know it's irrational. I know it seems crazy. My poor nanny. It's, it's the first crazy. thing she learned about me because she was crazy. chewing day one. No. And I'm like, oh, fuck, she doesn't know me at all. So this is what she's going to be yeah. now basing. And the first day I'd be like, here's the thing. <laughs> I was like, I know it's crazy. Um, I can't hear the gum. I don't like yeah. it. It makes me go nuts. I yeah. will sit here and probably stare through you. You just have like the It's like an anger thoughts. comes. Yeah, it's so, it's so And so sad. I told her, I was like, so I need you not to chew around me. Yeah. And I laughed. I told Alec, I was like, you know she went home and was like, my boss is fucking. Now, if, I, yeah. if that happened month three, she would have been like, okay, so she has a weird thing. Right. But day one, first you had thing. You to be clear about that stuff. Though. I had to. I've learned because otherwise I will end up like passive aggressively yeah. hating on you. Like if I'm with if I'm with someone that I love dearly in my home, like eating and it's quiet, I have to put music on. Like I have to do something because the, the chewing gum chewing for me is the, the worst. Yeah. It's like. And it start, got really bad in high school because that's when the test taking started and people would chew gum during tests. And it was like, oh my God, I used to take all my tests with my hands over my ears and then quickly to like answer the thing. Like, and then my hands would go up over my ears because all I would hear is like, that's so funny. And then if someone's like popping, snapping, oh my God, it's like literally the insides of my body. It's a physical reaction. Yeah, it's, it's bad. <sighs> I, had a, I had a sound guy one time. He said, you know, your voice is so great. You should think about doing those ASMR videos, you know, where it's like, um, so I'm going. And it's. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> Under no circumstances. I can't do that I to anyone that. else. <laughs> it's funny because my boyfriend started smoking again because he used to be a smoker, uh-huh. <clears throat> but not with me. Uh-huh. And he wasn't telling me, even though I knew, because yeah. you always know when I asked him a million times and he lied. That yeah. was a whole nother issue, but different <laughs> conversation. But he started chewing gum. That was one of the things because he was trying to like clear the thing. You're like, honestly, I'd prefer the nicotine. <laughs> and I remember finally being like, I, I said a couple of things and he made like a comment once. It was hilarious. This is the thing. You can't fuck with someone who's totally secure in themselves. He's like, whatever. You're so irrational. I'm like, no, no, I know it's irrational and yeah. I know it's crazy. Yeah. But I've also told you about it day one. So who's the issue? You who decided to start chewing gum four years into our relationship <gasps> or, or me who's been very clear very about clear. an issue she's had from day one. And he was like, I'm like, so stop it. Chew it, not around me. Like, but it was so funny because he was like trying to make me feel bad about it. I'm like, you can't make me feel bad about it. I know it's crazy. You can't but it us. is it is what it is. And I don't know what to tell you. So like it ain't changing. And it hasn't changed from four years ago. You're the one who decided to start oh chewing gum. And then once it came out that he's smoking, which I knew, um, I was like, Yeah, I didn't date a smoker. I purposely wouldn't have dated a smoker, right. so you figure it you out. You changed the rules, I was like, that's not what, me. Exactly, I'm still playing the same game. That's exactly <laughs> what I said to him. I go, you changed the rules. No, I said exactly that. I was like, not me. Yeah. I was like, so you work around it. You figure it out. Yeah. And if you want to get back in my game, you let me know. Otherwise, like, go play that game with your rules and It was so funny because I remember that moment of being like, oh, don't put me being nutso about gum chewing when, like, you could have walked out day one. I was very clear about it. <laughs> so good. And I was like, it clearly doesn't bother you because you dated another girl with this right before. I mean, his girlfriend before me yeah, was. funny. Oh, he's the one who told me what it, it's, it's, what is it called? It must be karmic for him. Something is, um, well, it's funny. His mom is a, a throat clearer. No. A massive throat clearer. I mean, we all do it. Like you realize you do, but she does, she does that all the time and it drives him crazy. Yeah. Dry cough. 
yeah. a consistent dry <clears throat> cough. But she does. Clear she's throat. clearing the throat. Like, don't, aren't you always wondering, like, what are you so clear? I get it. Like, I can catch myself doing it sometimes, but I'm like, what? Like, doing it for a purpose is one thing. Doing it because you know. have a compulsion is another thing. Oh, my God. I love it. Let's run right into this. I'm here with Megan, and this is awesome. And you're <laughs> going to get a proper introduction earlier, which I've probably already done for those who are listening. Um, but I love that we're rolling into this because we've now covered lots of really television. And, like, really important things. <laughs> really important things. We've covered TV, reality TV. We've covered the fact that we both have issues with sounds. Life irritants, yeah. Yes. And so, but what I love about this is, you know, something I feel like you're known for is kind of just being very real you don't fly in the clouds of meditation it's like you kind of bring meditation down to the public let's yeah. say and I you get that it's like you come in and you can have just a regular conversation with you right away where you don't feel like it has to be chakra based or what's the energy <laughs> happening and by the way not that there's anything wrong right, with that right. but sometimes you feel like some people can't not have a conversation unless that's motivating every thought yeah well there's something beautiful about at some level embodying all of this enough so that you can move throughout your life as this version of yourself without constantly talking about this version of yourself. Oh my God, that's such a great way to put it. Because I say that all the time too. I'm like, no, no, like, because then I'll sometimes make a joke about it and someone's like, oh no, you don't understand. I'm like, no, no, I get it. Like, yeah. I fully understand it. I just feel like you can still say it this way. Yeah. And then I get mad at myself because I'm like, you know, anyone can say it whatever way they want to say it. Which yeah. is really I mean, ours is better, but yeah, let's say it. No, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Oh my God, I love it. But it is funny because it is a whole... You know, in some ways, I think it has scared some people from, you know, meditating or, and, I, and that's obviously shifting, but there was a period where I feel like that is the reason why people weren't actually starting to meditate because they felt like that meant they had to become this hippy dippy, mm -hmm. woo woo, like crystal chakra clearing, yeah. sage smelling, tea drinking person, which by the way, I like most of those things I yeah. listed. So yeah. none of those are insults for me, but for some people, that's a very, it's not who they are at all. Yeah. I think it's still... It still baffles me how intimidating it is, only because I'm immersed in this and this is all I think about and talk about and write about. And right. so, so I'm so far from what I was before I got into all of this. But it's still such an intimidating thing for people. And I think more than anything, yes, the sort of spiritual accessories can feel a little bit woo-woo and weird and like, why are you lighting that twig and what are you <laughs> chanting? And, but I think beyond that, the underlying spark of that insecurity is just people being afraid of who they are yeah. beyond what they know. Yeah, I think because I think a question I get a lot, which I'll pose to you to see what you, how you answer it, or you can use your example of you, is people say like, well, doesn't it change your personality? Yeah. Um, I don't, I like who I am. I don't want it to change. Right. Right. So how do you feel like, you know, you were in the music industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much do you feel like, what parts of you do you feel like are different? What isn't different? Like who, who are you, who are you then? Who are you now? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely changed, you know, I used to be very, I used to be very New York. I used to be very self-deprecating and cynical and jaded in a very charming package, I know. but there was a sarcasm that, masked a lot of anger or resentment or fear or discomfort in the uncertainty in areas of my life. And now that sarcasm is, is very much still there. I was, a friend of mine was giving a talk somewhere and he goes, you're so funny. Like, can you give me a few like jokes to say? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, sure, I guess. And, and I sent him some kind of ideas and he was like, those are so good. He goes, I could never say those though. Those are so sarcastic. And in my mind, I'm thinking, 
what are you talking about? Like, that's like G rated. That's like, hilarious. Right. So I still definitely have sarcasm. You know, the wit, the sarcasm, but it's not in a self-deprecating way that's, that's hiding a lack of self-worth or self-love. It's not covering up anger or resentment. It's not right. So it comes out in a, in a positive way. Right. You know, if there is such a thing. So I think that it's allowed me to sort of buffer away the parts of me that were inauthentic that we're covering up something that wasn't real and wasn't actually who I am and wasn't actually an expression of my essence. Right. And it allowed those parts that maybe didn't get as much stage time, like compassion and self-love and self-worth and trust and surrender and all of these other things that I, that I try to sit in most of the time to, to have more, more time in my life. How do you feel like it shifted as you kind of came more into yourself that way how did it shift your outside life as well? Like, obviously, there was the job, which yeah, we can I mean, talk I quit about. My job yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, talk about that. And then I want to talk about it on the personal side, too. Yeah. Let's start with the. I mean, professionally. And, yeah. and I was fortunate that when I started meditating, I was 24. So, I, it's not like I was, you know, bawling out at ICM, you know, making right. millions of dollars. And it's not like I had built up a career that was tempting to stay in. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you have, and especially as your sense of self gets wrapped up in different roles that we play. So I was very fortunate that I sort of had this sucker punch from the universe at an early age because it was easy to say, wow, this doesn't feel in alignment. But but what was what was the catalyst for that was not just I want to teach meditation because that wasn't it at all. It just became really hard for me to stay in that world with this whole other perspective that I now had. See, that's interesting. And everything, you know, everything. So it wasn't that you couldn't be in the world. It was like you were just struggling because you saw it so differently. I saw it so differently. And, you know, and, and at a certain point, not, you know, irrationally, things have to be really important right? Like ticket counts for Beyonce are very important. And right. I just had come from a week of learning right. about and all like of these not- other things that are important. And I just wanted to dive into that. So it was just like my ability to care. give all of myself and care yeah. as much as you need to care to enjoy that world and no shade. You know, I still enjoy dipping into that world with friends and with, you know, people that I still have in those environments. I just like to be able to about when I am done. It's, that's such an interesting way to say because I get asked a lot too of like, well, don't you miss it? Don't you mm-hmm. miss it from the TV days? And I'm like, I never m- missed it because it was never, I never felt like it was this huge momentous mm-hmm. thing of like, I no longer want to do you. Right. It was like a shift right. of like, no, no, I just need to do this right now. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there was no shade about it at all. Yeah. Like I still, I mean, all you and I did was talk about right. TV for like 20 <laughs> minutes when you came in. Like I still love it. Right. So it's int- that's such an interesting way to say it, where it's like, I, yeah, I didn't have the same care mm-hmm. at that time. And I would say, like, doesn't mean maybe one day I'll wake up and have that care yeah. and want to go do something yeah. in it. But so it was never this big shift because right. it was just naturally where you have to start looking. Yeah. And you still love TV and I still love music and love talking about music and hearing about the business of music. Yeah, I me just, too. I still love hearing. I still ask the craziest questions about the business because it's changing yeah. so much. I'm always like, tell it's me, how are you making the deals now? Right. <laughs> you just don't have the fuel or the or the interest in in putting that you know, as like the major thing in your life that you're funneling energy into. And oh, by the way, I think 
it's, you know, there are transferable skills that, you know, you and I still get to use. A thousand percent. It's not like we went from being in the entertainment industry to living on top of a mountain. Right. Lighting sage. No, I'd, I'd, I'd be screwed if I had to live by myself on top of a mountain. Right. So I watch those survivor shows. And I'm like, <laughs> I just, I, I, I need to go learn some skills. <laughs> I don't have any of them. Don't give me like two things to make fire. It's just not happening. <laughs> but there are all these parts of who I was in music that I still get to to be in, yep. it's just talking about meditation or writing about, you know, or doing something in this world instead. Yeah, I, it's true because people are like, do you feel creative? I'm like, I still get to be super creative. Mm-hmm. It's just in a different way. Like, it's so true. So how do you feel like it also affected like your personal world? Yeah. As far as like, did you feel like when you were shifting as far as, you know, owning different parts of you, friends change? Like how does, you know, I think that's a lot of fear for people too yeah. is especially once they start doing it, it's like they might get into it, but when they actually start feeling this shift of, because mm-hmm. there is a way period sometimes for people where you don't know where you belong. Yeah. Uh, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think, so I, I, and I always say to people, you don't have to quit your job. You don't have to Absolutely leave not. your life. You know, I definitely did that. And I, I left LA for a few years and went down to San Diego and worked for Deepak Chopra full time and immersed in my own healing and becoming a teacher and all of that. And then came back to LA, which was really interesting. That must be super interesting. Because I left music and almost immediately left LA and then spent three years in this whole other environment and then came back to LA. Yeah. So again, it's not unlike the job thing where you just naturally start leaning towards other things and the things in your life, the people in your life, the food in your life, the practices in your life, the behaviors, anything that isn't in alignment with that just doesn't stick as easily. Right. And so I've had a lot of friends that I used to work with at ICM that I was an assistant with that are still incredibly dear, close friends of mine. And we, we have this connection at a deep level and talk about meditation and spirituality and all of this. And then I have some people that have, you know, we were really close for a little while and now we, you know, like each other's photos on Instagram, (laughs) you know, and that's fine too. Um, I I don't think every relationship needs to be a forever thing. And I feel so happy with the version of myself that exists right now that I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade that. Is that kind of what you would say to people who are slowly getting into that like territory? Because it's interesting. You had a break, like you left and then came back. So it's almost like you could restart. Yeah. But for some people who are like stuck in it Mm -hmm. and not having a chance to like leave, like, so it's, you start to kind of feel it and it's slow. I mean, it's not immediate. It's slow. It's like, you don't want to go to that party or you don't want to go to, why am I avoiding that person? I don't want to go to dinner with them. I'm not sure why, Mm because I actually really like them. Like, I feel like, but you do start to see shifts and I, and I get for, I get why people get a little nervous about that because it feels like you have to shed a layer of skin. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not, I always try and answer people. It's not that you don't keep your personality. Like you're still you. Um, You're the better version of you and and lighter and and less afraid. And And, and I guess it's like reminding people like you will be supported in that. So even though it might feel like it's going to be look totally different when you're in it, you're going to have all the foundation you need to keep you up. And those other things that you're afraid of letting go of, won't feel good to hold on to, right. whether it's That's a great having super, it. you know, gossipy conversations. You know, I used to have a lot of friendships that, that were not maliciously, but were very much in that vein of let's just sit around and talk about what's happening and who's happening and what they're doing, <laughs> you know, and, and I, that didn't feel good. So I stopped doing that. And guess what? Those people that wanted to do that stopped wanting to hang out with me so much because I wasn't so indulging in that conversation or the 
the relationships that I had that didn't have great boundaries. Once I started putting boundaries, they didn't really come around that much anymore because I wasn't playing along. So it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to hold on to things that don't feel good once you're aware of what does feel good. So, so you were very lucky at a pretty young age for 20, most people, their twenties are very tumultuous. Yeah. I just did all of my work in terms of getting myself messed up just very quickly. Like, like in a, a tight part of your 20s, you mean yeah, like early 20s, yeah. you just went for it? Yeah, I just like everything started to fall apart. I so what was falling apart for you? My, I mean, my body, you know, more than anything else. So I was, was that out of the blue? Talk about that a little bit. I mean, if you look back, no, it's not out of the blue. But right. in my ignorance, yes, I'm like, oh, why do I have chronic hives? Why do I have to get my gallbladder taken out from stress at 22? That's kind of strange. I mean, that is crazy. Yeah, like losing non-vital organs is not great. It's not a sign <laughs> that, like, you're thriving. <laughs> and it took my physical body starting to break down in a way that was unavoidable for me to look at my life and look at what was causing stress. And yes, the entertainment industry is stressful. That's a given. But um, but my dad was also an alcoholic and, you know, incredibly sick from that. And facing that reality caused me to look back at all of the things growing up until that point that I hadn't actually... You were, you were close to him, right? Yeah, I was so close to my dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I very much was... And did you always... Did you know he was an alcoholic? Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, how I knew much he was of... an alcoholic when I was in, like, elementary school. You figured it out. Yeah. I'm an only child, so it's kind of tough to, uh. like, hide. And, and your parents were married, right? My parents were married. So it was, like, the whole. three of you. Yeah, it was the three of us. Mm-hmm. And he... A little dysfunctional, loving family unit. <laughs> I mean, at least there was the loving part. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he he was an alcoholic. You became aware. Did you ever talk about it? Yeah. And it was frustrating. And and I had a lot of feelings that I just didn't know what to do with, especially in, like, high school and college. And, and at a certain point, those started to bubble up and become something that that was unavoidable. I think I'm a very big believer that if you don't, digest your stress, digest emotional toxicity, that it has to go somewhere. Like the pain has to be expressed in some way, shape or form. And I was very much the, like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. It's fine. And it was not fine. And so it took having something physically be literally not fine for me to really start to look at all of the reasons, all of the things. Were yeah. you a drinker like in high school? Like, were you a teen, no. 20s drinker, or did no, it push you away? I was never, I mean, I wasn't like the girl that was not drinking, but I, but I didn't ever really worry about being an alcoholic. I always worried more about marrying an alcoholic. Interesting. Which I tried to do a few times. Luckily, none of those relationships also ever interesting. Stuck. It's the patterns are strong. I have so there's so many like generations of that in my you know in my family. But it's interesting. You never worried about genetically. Do you have opinions on that? Genetically, alcoholism yeah, and addiction. Yeah, I think it's a thing. I for sure think it's a thing, and I'm conscious of that. I mean, I don't drink a lot, but I'm conscious of that. And there's definitely shame that comes with you know, drinking, you know, for you, for me, if I drink, you know, and again, this hasn't happened in a while, but, um, if, if I drank too much, if I like accidentally like drank too much, I would feel so much shame because, and like, where would it come from? Because you felt like you gave him a hard time or you felt like you would be becoming him. Like what was the shame? I mean, there's layers to shame. Give me a (laughs) layer. Layers to all the shame. Yeah. It was, it was not feeling in control. It was not being, 
um, aware of what I was doing and why I was doing it and feeling embarrassed about doing it, you know, yeah. There's a lot of layers to being a, a child of, of an alcoholic. Yeah, I'm sure. And but you but you said there was a loving how did his yeah, alcoholism my manifest dad was like in my, like my you know, my dad, my my mom was the breadwinner in my family. And so when I was born, my dad quit his job and stayed home. And so stayed he stayed home, home with, with you in like the eighties, mid eighties. That's amazing. Like old school, like not the common. He must have had great stories. He was incredible, and and he never, you know, he never drank when he was with me. It wasn't. I was never in danger. There wasn't. I, I was very fortunate that I had a very, you know, my dad loved me more than anything, um, but also was this was an alcoholic for most of my life. Um, is your mom still with you? My mom is with me. She lives uh, in LA, which is really nice for me. When he passed, did you did you feel like did she? How did she transform when he passed? She started doing a lot of work. She started meditating. She started doing a lot of work while he was alive. So it was really just a a continuation of that once once he passed. But you know, my dad passing, my dad getting sick enough that I knew that he was going to die from from his alcoholism yeah. is the greatest catalyst that I've ever had in my life. It's the, the defining factor that caused me to get on this path that caused me to find my purpose. I mean, I have nothing but just unconditional gratitude for that relationship and for the so love beautiful. that I felt. And, and it's the biggest lesson of, of everything. It's the biggest lesson for forgiveness that I've ever had, you know, being able to, do this work while he was alive and and tell him that I forgive him and mean it and love him unconditionally for a little while and not if he didn't drink and not if he A, B, and C and to just see him for who he was and love him for who he was is the greatest gift that that I gave him and the greatest gift that I've ever been given. I mean, it's like so... Like the heart opening that comes with that. Well, it's... <sighs> I'm like, (laughs) no, but it's amazing. And it is the thing that I think is hardest for most people. Mm -hmm. And you had it in such an extreme way. It was a parent. Mm -hmm. So it's like right there. And it was, I mean, it's, it was big. And so many people can't even do that in the small versions. I mean, like you look at all these crappy, annoying things that go on relationships and it's just simply because of that right there. No one's able to just unconditionally accept, accept and love and then or forgive. Like we talk a lot about cheating in here too. Mm -hmm. And I'm always the first person to be like, cheating is not the end of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Like where it becomes the end is because people can't forgive and then they can't move Mm -hmm. on. I'm like, that's never the reason. Like that's never, I'm not Mm -hmm. condoning it by any means, but like that's not the end. The end is there's other shit going on and that can either allow you to go so much deeper and into a much more beautiful state if, but you have to be willing it is an ultimate, another ultimate lesson of forgiveness and loving unconditionally. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. Yeah. But it's... And not taking it so personally. Well, you talk about that and, you know, she wrote this amazing book, which we'll chat a lot about, Don't Hate, Meditate, um, where you give, you know, I like how you talk about it through kind of five, is it five? Mm-hmm. Five filters. Um, and, you know... I I circled a bunch of times like victimhood, victimhood, because I do think it always goes back to that, whichever filter you're talking about in some ways, you can almost bring it back to like, do you want to be a victim or do you not want to be a victim? And it's like what we're talking about here. Like, is the world happening to you? You said that and I loved it. It, I I loved when you said that, where you basically said, I finally realized this was just happening and it wasn't happening to me about your dad dying and everything. I was like, Oh my God, imagine if we all had that Mm -hmm. capacity 
to realize it, everything that's moving in front of us, whether we perceive it as good or bad, it's mm-hmm. just happening. It's not always about mm-hmm. this angle of how it's happening. And we perceive it and we define it as good or bad. Well, that's huge. And we rarely give ourselves the grace to be able to rest in it as it is before we decide that this is what I like and this is what I don't like and this is good and this is bad. And so much, you think so much of that too is off, often on what we feel like we're supposed to think. Yeah. Like perception, you know, like whether it be mm. about your dad, whether it be about yeah. cheating, whether it be, it's like, well, cause I think about that with cheating. I don't know why I keep You know what? It came up in our last podcast, so I think it's <laughs> on my mind now. Um, but the thing with cheating too, yeah. I'm like so many people won't forgive because they feel like it's going to make them look weak. Right. Or people are going to think they're being walked over mm-hmm. or that they're just, you know, being taken advantage, whatever it is, whatever the outside, all the outside mm-hmm. perceptions of the person who got cheated on. Yeah. So that person almost won't even start to try mm-hmm. Because they're not supposed to think that way. Yeah. yeah. We let other people's narratives play a very big role in our own a lot of the time. And societal narratives. Yeah. But it's so sad. And it's wildly unhelpful most of the time. Because generally speaking, the other narratives that we are inviting in, whether it's intentionally or not, are not the ones that are going to empower us and lift us up and give us courage and strength <laughs> so and vulnerability. No, yeah, those don't seem to be the ones that like come through, It's like the ones right? that are like, you're a piece of shit, you're doing terrible, who are, you know, we don't, we don't leverage the, our, our mind is capable of doing a lot of irrational things and we don't leverage our mind and the power of our mind to do the irrational positive things. So true. I mean, and that's what I love that you say you kind of, you give all these tips and there's awesome quizzes in there. I mean, it's really a really good hands-on book, especially for someone who, if you're new to meditation, I strongly recommend it. Even if you've been meditating a while, I would, I would read it because it gives you a lot of good insight to what you're doing and also just understanding yourself better, especially with those quizzes. You really get a sense of like, oh shit, I really got to work this area that I wasn't thinking. Yeah, the quizzes are fun. I had a lot of people take them too and say, wow, I thought I was going to you know, be really great at A, B, and C. And it turns out I actually really need to work on trust. And I would never have I know, it surprised that. me, which, well, no, one didn't surprise me at all. But it was, <laughs> but yeah, it surprised me where I, yeah. areas where I was actually like really mm-hmm. okay. I was like, oh, huh, who knew? That actually <laughs> surprised me more. But um, I, I do strongly recommend it. But I do feel like, so much of it is also you talk about going back to just the meditation period because what you were just saying is like we don't empower our mm-hmm. minds to take us through the irrational in the way that's actually going to help that's helpful. us. Right. If you're going to if you're going to do that, do, at least do it in a good way. If you're going to leave this moment and make up something in your mind and then react to that something, at least have it be the good thing. It's so true. What do you feel like when you started learning cuz you know talk a lot about detaching from your thoughts. Yeah. And you know, we talk about this a lot on this podcast of the myth of you're not going to have thoughts when you meditate. I mean, it's just, I used to say when I worked the front desk here, yeah. every time someone would walk in, I'm like, you are going to be thinking. And if you've yeah. never meditated, your mind's going to wander a gazillion times. Yeah. That's still meditating. You're okay. Yeah. Um, so I love how you talk about that. But, you know, when you do get better at like learning to detach, and like you said, be able to kind of take the moment mm-hmm. to see things clearly and not have to kind of put your point of view on every yeah. single thing. You just thing. don't get involved as quickly. What do you feel like for you, you noticed the most when that started happening for you? Um, my road rage. Really? Yeah, I used to have terrible road rage because I learned how to drive correctly. 
<laughs> She's from and New Jersey, by the way. I live so in I Los agree Angeles. with you. But do you know how many people think New, like we drive like shit from New Jersey? We just are conscious and aggressive, but in a very safe way. Agreed. Thank That's you. You just said it perfectly. We're very aggressive drivers. I'm not saying that we're not aggressive, but we're aware, but we're aware of everything that's happening. Yes. And if like your your a woman blinker is on, like I know that that's happening, so I know I need to either like speed up or slip. we're just very aware, so we can be aggressive safely. Oh my god! So just interjecting a dumb story, but my husband will never never lets me drive, which is fine because I hate I don't yeah. love driving, so it's like a perfect combination. But when we were on the East Coast this summer, we had two different cars, <laughs> and for I don't remember what we were doing, we were like returning a rental yeah, or yeah. something, whatever. And so I was with my daughter in the car in front, and he was behind, <laughs> and I was actually really proud because it showed how well I knew my way around, which I hadn't for years and it was funny we got out he's like I have to say you had some really good moves up there I'm like well what do you mean he's like well there was that weird truck that was in the middle and you knew exactly when to wait but you also knew when to pull ahead and with the bikers you knew not to do and I looked at him I'm like yeah I'm a good driver yeah that's exactly right I was like I'm a good driver you've never given me credit but like I'm a good driver so true but when you try to drive like that out here, it's just incredibly frustrating. Yeah, that's true. Because the rules of the road don't apply here in Los Angeles. So I used to have really bad road rage. Not like I'm going to get out of the car and like take a bat and, you know. Now, which you have to qualify to, like, here because that you. does happen. Yeah. So not any, not physically rage. Screaming. Like, behavior. Screaming. Just very irritated. Yes. And Cursing? it would like, um, not at people, but yeah, like it would, it would take over my whole body and it would be like the tight grip on the steering wheel and be like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what the fuck? Right. So yes, that type of behavior. Um, and I noticed once I started meditating, not like far into my practice, you know, maybe like a couple, maybe a month or so. So funny. I noticed that I would still have just like the batshit crazy road rage thought, <laughs> but there would be this space. And I would think to myself, wow, you sound like an insane person. You should really let that thought go. And 90% of the time, even to this day, 92% of the time, maybe at this point, it doesn't become anything more than, in my mind, that thought. And that's what meditation gives you. It gives you the grace time to decide how you want to be and who you want to be. Oh, I love that. And, and for most people, that's what you need. Most people, given a little bit of grace time, aren't going to choose to be the worst version of themselves. Right. It's really dark when they do. And that happens. Right. And then there, you know, we have documentaries for that. So, <laughs> so if you can give yourself That's like so that funny. moment, you know, to, to notice your thought and say, wow, look at that thought I'm having. That's interesting. And I mean, and that goes back to a little bit of like the victim and the self. It's like, remember that it is just a thought. Yeah. You don't have to believe every thought you have. You don't have to invite every thought in to become the building block of your reality. Now, Thank have God. you noticed... Like, okay, so I, I love this idea. It's what we talk about all the time of like, you have this grace period so you can actually witness the yeah. thoughts and you realize they don't define you. Yep. But have you noticed now, having meditated for many, many years, mm-hmm. have you noticed that the quality of thoughts are changing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That changes too. Don't worry. <laughs> so that, There's hope for all of us. Yeah, because I like to tell yeah. people that too. It's like you kind of weirdly reprogram yourself to actually download you, different thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I reconditioned my set point for how I see the world. I went from having, you know, lenses of, of cynicism and, and negativity, really, and very much, you know, the, the New Yorker, the very charming, like, of course this is happening to me, why wouldn't this happen to me? And right. I can still become Larry David very quickly, but <laughs> most of the time, that's not the case because I have, like, buffered those neural pathways out of my brain so that, not out completely, but right. so that they are not the primary road 
that my attention takes. So right. when there's a thing that happens, my automatic go-to is no longer, why is this happening to me? What's wrong with this situation? Why is this terrible? Now it's like presence and what's not wrong about this and where's the where's the gem where's the pearl like I mean perspective I think is huge mm-hmm. I'm it's, it's it's so underestimated how quick I know I talk about this with my daughter a lot and it's not quite getting through yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep being there's like a really great book about like a choose your own adventure book she's for yeah, I loved those books and me too which is why I bought are it are you reading her like the old school version no I wish I bought ones? I found one for her age yeah. and I was like oh great and it turns out there's actually a message in it which is even better which is all about the reason this is a choose your own adventure is you get to see how your choices totally oh, affect your that's day cool. so I love it so I use that with her a lot now I'm like that. don't forget the power of choice and I mean she's such a wise ass because I can be like when she's like super impatient wants her food I'm like remember you can choose to be frustrated or you can choose yeah. to be okay and she's like mm, I'm gonna choose to be frustrated <laughs> it's like she just says I'm like all right well, that's your choice it's like your choice. it's your choice but as long as you understand that yeah. you get to choose and yeah. change the that feeling. what you favor will it has an impact on you. Yeah. yeah. Like you can choose it and then be yeah. frustrated or choose that. Not be frustrated, but if you want to be frustrated, yeah. do it. Just your choice. Yeah. But I do find it so many people, and she's four. It's great. She but, sounds like me. This is a girl after my own heart. I mean, she's a wise <laughs> ass. So, but I know, but, she, but like now let's think 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Right. So many don't realize the power of choice. Mm-hmm. And look, and there's more. You say it in here too. It's not even just about intellectualizing it. There's like, you have to do the work behind it. So you should talk yeah. a little bit about that too. But it does, I do think, start with, like you said, what, what's the gem? Where's the, like, to be able to know that there's... Yeah, being conscious that there are, right, that there are options. Yeah. Like, choiceless options, you yeah. know? And, and unfortunately, once you get past seven or eight years old, those initial neural pathways have been formed. I know, you said that. You said that's that was Deepak really, says that, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's, that's the initial. I mean, there's conditioning after that, but that's, like, the initial moment that that really starts to be ingrained and so unless you're doing something unless you have a mom that meditates you know or a dad that meditates or someone in your life that's that's continuing to remind you of these things right it becomes really easy to you know which is what most people do think the same things over and over and over right want the same things over and over and over and over make the same choices based on those desires over and over and over and over and over that's what most adults do I know and then we're just teaching our kids that and then they do it I mean it's like we're not breaking the cycle right well, you are now. It's all up to us. We're all, we're all breaking the cycle by meditating. I love it. Talk about a little bit how I was just saying you have to, like the, it, like the you intellectual. Can, yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the, there's a, I think there's a lot of um, superficiality around yes. personal growth right now, especially because we're so, we want things in like 30 seconds and we're scrolling through content and we, you know, we're not, we're not very, um, we're not very much interested as a general society in going deep, right? Right. And we want things quickly and we want, and there's such a difference between intellectually understanding a concept and actually embodying the qualities needed to like implement that concept. A thousand percent. Which is why you can read a great quote or a great whatever and think, or double tap and think, wow, yeah, that's great. I should do that more. (laughs) And then it never happens because you aren't that do you and for me meditation is really that bridge between helping you get there. intellectually you know the, the things that you see that that stimulate your mind in that way should be like the reminder right so when I'm having a bad day and I'm looking at whatever I'm looking at and I see that great quote then I'm like oh that's yeah. right 
And that's going to just reinforce something that's already planted within me. That thing that is outside of me is not the source. Well, we get that all the time here, too. People are like, wait, I, t- I took a class, why aren't I better? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the quick fix. Right. The external is, right, is the reminder, is the reinforcement. You have to plant that seed within yourself and continue to nourish that and then use all of the external as as the adjunct support. Well, I mean, let's talk about that, too, with, like, social media these days and, you know... In, I mean, it's it's a touchy subject because yeah. I, I get why people do it. But, you know, you were saying it's like it's great for it to be inspirational left and right. But how do you go deeper? And also, like, in a world of, you know, trying to get out of the duality mm-hmm. when everything on Instagram is like mm-hmm. or dislike. I yeah. mean, not that you can dislike something, but it's, you're basically disliking it when you're not when liking, you're not it, liking it, it. yeah. And stuff like that. How it's like we're... And it's tricky because so many of us are using mm-hmm. that as a medium. Yeah. So it's... It's so funny when they, they changed the algorithm recently yeah. on Instagram. So so uh, many fewer, many fewer, much fewer? Fewer. Far fewer. Far fewer. Far fewer <laughs> people see your posts unless you've already engaged with them and unless they're, and people just started to lose it. There's also been talk about them removing the number for how many likes you have. And people are just... Oh, people who's dependent on it. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's so interesting how how we have completely leaned into the external outlets to be... Which is so sad because, and by the way, and like our industry is not exempt from Mm -hmm. that. I mean, if anything, it's, it's... it's become a problem, I think, within that too, because then it becomes a question, I'd be curious to know your opinions too, of like intention versus action and what are you doing and why? Mm -hmm. And it's tricky because look, we like for this, it's like we run a business, we have to run a business, but like we've never been a place that like, it's like, we don't hire people just be, if they're if they're if they have big Instagram accounts or right, not because right. it's like some people are amazing healers right. or amazing teachers that have no following because their brains right. do not work that way. <laughs> right. But it's like, but then yet, yeah, of course, it's going to be harder to get people to know who that teacher is. Mm-hmm. So I, I, there's like a double edged sword to all of and it. And like the authenticity. Well, yeah. that's the trick. And like we talk about, I, I get asked a lot, like when I'm on panels, like marketing panels and stuff about like yeah. influencers and stuff. And I always say like, look, we have a very different industry. I'm not selling bags. Mm-hmm. I get where influencers are huge. Mm-hmm. We don't do it here. If it naturally happens, great. But yeah. we don't do it here because I'm, the whole thing I'm trying to teach or yeah. have like yeah. people teach is authenticity. Yeah. So I, we can't yeah. not be authentic in our sale. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it is really interesting, but how do you feel? I'm sure you see, whether it be friends or yeah. coworkers that, um, you know, you can feel it sometimes. You can feel what's happening Absolutely. on there, that it's just going for the numbers of the yeah. likes or, you know, the followers, mm-hmm. and it starts to lose a little authenticity. And it is this sort of, authenticity. as you're saying, like cyclical thing. Because, yeah. of course, if you're, if you're you know, creating a big event, of course you want people that are right, known yeah. so that people will come to see that event yeah. and, and then reap the benefits of this incredible event that you've curated with intention and, you know, and that is absolutely benevolent. And at the same time, is the depth of that teaching going to be the same as if you, it's, it's a, it's a very sort of double edged sword. And there is a lot of that in wellness. There are a lot of, especially with meditation, you know, meditation's not the most (laughs) like quantifiably, um, driven like credential. And, and there are a lot of people that call themselves meditation teachers that, you know, learned how to breathe on YouTube and now they teach meditation. And so I think it's just, I think. I always believe that, you know, the cream rises to the top, that the people that I do too. that have a depth of 
practice in their own life that, that walk the walk as well as teaching and, and talking the talk, I do believe that those are the people that will have legs beyond just like that great photo and that great like and that great sponsorship. And I do think that people, right. when you're sitting in a room with someone that embodies the teachings that they're teaching, that's a different experience. And you can feel it. And you, ha- you like you as the, the meditator, you as the participant, as the attendee, whatever it is, you have a different experience because being able to hold space in a meditation for a room full of people is different than just sitting in front of people with your eyes closed. It's so true. Yeah. And it's funny because people are always like, what is this thing that means hold space? Like, yeah. what is that? But I think that's a great way to say it where it's, it's, uh, you're setting up, it's almost like you're creating the platform yeah. for people to meditate on yeah. in that exact space yeah. that you're in versus just being with them in a room. Yeah. You're like holding this container Yeah, and you do that with, with your depth and, and people can feel that, you know, people can go deeper into that. For sure. Talk about, you talk about in your book a little bit, which I think fits in with what we're talking about, about the difference of like motivation not being about acquiring something. Mm. So do you want to like expound on that? Because I do feel like it fits in a little bit with Mm -hmm. what we're talking about now. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of again, letting the external be a reflection of the internal. So for me, it's much more about who do I want to be and how do I want to be? And and those qualities, and how do I align my external world to be a reflection of that, rather than taking the external elements and having them imprint. Because, you know, anything, spoiler alert, anything outside of yourself is impermanent. Right. Right? Is threatenable, is able to be taken away at a moment's notice, and most people rest their worth and who they are and their sense of self on all of those impermanent things. Which is why it feels so fucking scary to be alive because it's every part of you is able to be threatened. There's so much constriction in our relationships and in our job and in what we have and our bank account and because that's who we are. Right. And it's a relationship can end tomorrow. Someone can pass away. Yeah. Someone can leave Things you. All the time. Your job goes away. Your bank account can go down. It yeah. can all of a sudden go up. Yeah. It's, like, it's so impermanent. Yeah. And if you can, and this is what you do every time you meditate, if you can start to plug into who you are and to yourself and use yourself as that source of power and, and knowingness and wholeness, that part of you that you plug into is unable to be threatened. You know, your soul can't be fired. Your soul can't be cheated on. Your soul can't go broke. Your soul can't be relocated. Your soul doesn't have any health issues. Right. And it's not that any of those things outside of you don't matter, but if that's only what you're striving for, it's never going to feel great. It's so un- interesting how like so few people actually are aware of their own soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and have a it's never acquainted. Inside. Yeah. yeah. Right. You didn't get to know that part of you. Yeah. Which is so sad. It's funny because my daughter literally was, she was like, what's a soul? <laughs> Which we talk about. It's yeah. funny. And like you explain it and it is very esoteric. But like, mm-hmm. like I'm glad she's asking. Yeah. So I'm like, at least you'll be aware yeah. something deeper exists. We've also moved really far away from being connected to the things in our external world that innately remind us of our soul. So like nature oh. and human connection there's so much of, of how we navigate life now that takes us out of, you know, being in the trees and like hearing the wind rustling through the leaves and feeling something so or, or looking people in the eye for longer than 0.2 <laughs> seconds or, you know, and so there aren't as many things adding to that for us naturally. How do you think people learn to look in the eye? 
well, I think at one point it was necessary to communicate. Right. And now I think it's when you have an annoying meditation teacher like me that makes you do <laughs> eye gazing. I don't, you know, I think they learn how to look in the eye because you have to look in your phone when you record videos. Yeah. You know. No, but it's interesting because it's like, yeah, you need to learn to look in people's eyes. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I, I remember when I was young, I, was, I remember being taught a few very specific things. I remember being taught when I was very little, like three or four, how to walk in New York. You know, you walk with like a sense of purpose. Exactly. Yes, exactly. That gesture. You walk with a sense of purpose. You don't look at anyone in the eye for too long. Right. Right. And you always keep going. So if you can cross the street one way. It's so funny you say it. One of my favorite things to do in New York when I was younger was to actually make eye contact, but you keep going. So it's like these brief moments of like intense, like two people are literally like, and then you're just, but you keep going. You You don't turn back. You just keep going. And I remember learning how to hail a cab. And I remember, yeah, my little like three-year-old Megan is One like finger. out there. Yep. <laughs> and I remember learning how to order food at a restaurant. And my parents would make me order food when it was so terrible to do that at like four years old. And I they make would my make daughter me, do that. Yeah. And they would make me look in the eye. I make her do that. And speak with like confidence and authority. Same thing with handshakes, probably because my mom was like a businesswoman. I learned how to shake hands. Like, do you want to? Yeah, it's you handshake. and I have. Go- oh, we're handshake. both we're both strong. <laughs> you know, my mom was my like, don't ever give anyone me. like your fingertips. Oh, yeah. There's like nothing. This thing. Oh, worse. So I think you. I think you're taught that. I think you're taught. And that. I don't think it's bad to be taught that and reminded no. to do it. It's funny because we were just talking about this kind of on a different podcast too about remind. It's interesting. There's so. Oh my god. But now, <laughs> if you know, if I I'm 35. Like I just really count because I'm too old now to know. Um, you know, people my age that are having kids, they're at restaurants and, you know, everyone has a phone, everyone has an iPad, no one, you know. So it's just, I mean, restaurants now have like iPads that you order on. So I know. There's just not as many natural opportunities to, to reinforce those things. It's sad. We have lifts. We don't have to hail cabs. I, I mean, know. I, when you were telling right? the cab story, I'm like, it's sad. I like, I just I hailed a cab randomly. I, a cab. I I was in New York and I hailed one to go um, to the airport. Yeah. Or something. I hailed one to do something, or just one day. But normally, I was Ubering everywhere because yeah. even in New York, you can Uber now. Mm-hmm. But I do like to hail a cab. There's something very like satisfying. Satisfying, <laughs> where you can you. It's like again, it's the contact. It's like you're making eye contact from so far away. Yeah. You don't even know you are, but you are. You're like looking into them. You've got the thing. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. There's a recognition that you yes, exist and someone. For sure. Yeah. But I do think those are all really like your parents. Those are like good things. Yeah, they're good things. I and they were that. small, but Little, good. But like I remember them. But they're also very. Um, they make you strong and independent. Mm-hmm. And did you feel like you were always an independent? Yeah, kid and strong. I was very independent. I was a very little. I was. I lost my. That's very dramatic. I lost my innocence very young. But I was a very like. <laughs> uh, little, in what way? I was, right? <laughs> I was a very like little adult. And that is, I think, part. Do you think also part of being an only child or yeah. no? Yeah. Because there's they no one else to, to talk to. My parents were certainly not, like, making baby voices at me. Right. And when you're at a restaurant, there's no one to talk to except your parents. And they're certainly not skewing the whole conversation to be around this one kid. It's so, so funny. My my best friends have, yeah, have an only child that is one of the most amazing humans yeah. ever. And she, it's the same thing. Like, she, we forget how old she is because yeah. she hangs out. Like, whenever she comes out to visit, mm-hmm. I'll do a dinner with all my girlfriends. And then the daughter comes yeah. with and it's like we always forget how old she is because yeah. she's just awesome I'm she, sure she might be listening quietly. to this she probably sits there quietly and like does or engages thing. in an yeah. amazing way yeah. like either exactly sits there quietly doesn't expect everyone to care right. to her right. or when she engages engages in a highly intelligent yeah. 
easy to talk to way where you yeah. don't feel like it's like, oh, time to talk to the kid. It yeah. never feels like that. Yeah. She's like, aw- she's awesome. I think as own, an only child, you're just in an adult world a lot of the time. Yeah. Interesting. I love that we got off on that topic. <laughs> um, talk about in, well, I want to go, you said one thing, you were just talking about the breathing on YouTube and stuff like that. And you also talk about in your book a little bit how breathing and meditating are two very different things. Yeah. Because, again, there's, like, myths you dispel, yeah. which I love. Yeah. And, that, by the way, her book is all told in this voice, which I also love. It's very <laughs> you. It's very, like, wise-assy in a good way and just, you know, keeping it real, what you say yeah. a bunch. You're like, I'm yeah. not going to be 100% with you. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the differences so people know. Yeah. You know, I think you can use your breath absolutely as a tool to meditate and you can rest your attention on your breath and on the physical sensation of, the, of your breath, on the fact that you're breathing, on the pace with which you're breathing, you can manipulate your breath. All of those things are putting your attention on this meaningless thing, which is, which is your breath, which is what gives your mind a break because you're giving your mind something to do. Cause as you said so beautifully, meditation is not about stopping your thoughts, right? Right. So you give your mind this thing to focus on and when you drift away, you come back to it. Right. That is not the same as um, just sit there and breathe for five minutes. Right. Right. There's an awareness. You're actually you're, there's an action involved with the breathing. Yeah. There's a there's an awareness of it and and a purposeful attention on it. So yeah. I like that. Yeah. It is true because it's, you know, it's that same thing when people are like, you know, I knit, that's my meditation or I run. I my, run. And I'm like, those meditative, are totally, totally meditative, totally but it's meditative. not meditation. But that's not meditation. It's yeah. a good break. Yeah. Which everyone needs. Yeah. But I, yeah, it's funny. I try and explain that too. I'm like, no, it's great. And you should do that, especially for people that are like adrenal, adrenal, yeah. adrenal crazy. I'm like, anything you coloring, can do. Coloring, the mindful coloring, all of that is very meditative. Cooking, because you're focused on something. But the thing that's different is that when you meditate, you are doing something meaningless, focusing on something meaningless. Generally, there are lots of different kinds of meditation, but generally you're focusing on something that doesn't mean anything to your mind, whether it's, I mean, I use um, a Sanskrit mantra in the book and mm-hmm. that's what I teach in classes and stuff. But so hum. Whether it's, whether it's a meaningless mantra that you're saying to your mind, meaningless, or the breath, you're noticing when you drift away and you're bringing yourself back. And every time you do that, it's like doing a mental rep. Right. That's how I was building that muscle of awareness. You're not actively doing that when you're knitting, unless you are, in which case maybe that's a little bit more meditation y, but you're still at a pretty high active level of mental activity. Also, it's hard because I have so many friends that are still in the the entertainment industry and are crazy. I mean, or insane, obviously. I mean, they're running ragged. I know their adrenals are shot. I'm like, my adrenals are still shot, and I meditate all the time. It's like, it's like I, I, I know where they're at. And then, you know, they're like, I got to go work out. I got to go work out. Which, but, And I'm like, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't yeah. be physical because we all need it and you need the thing. I'm just saying that's just making your adrenals go yeah. even crazier because yeah. you're just amping up more. And I feel like that's where we haven't yet started talking about it that way in society because, you know, mm-hmm. people are always like, oh, you either have the gym membership or maybe you're the type of person who wants to meditate. But yeah. meditate usually comes after that. And again, I'm not saying don't be in good physical health. It's mm-hmm. so important. But what I don't think people realize in physiology is like the part of your physical body yeah. that is going crazy through work and through stress, mm-hmm. you're actually elevating when you're exercising, usually in those ways. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing Tai Chi or something, that's totally no, different. Totally. But like, yeah, that's a moving meditation. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So it's like... And then they don't realize you're actually just, you're kind of perpetuating the problem, even though in those moments you're burning off a lot of energy that probably feels great. Which, which feels great, which gives you enough 
relaxation to fall asleep, which is really what you're looking for. Right. If you're in that position. It's like the non-medical quick fix. Right. But you're not doing anything to become more aware of your mind, to recondition yourself, to, right. All of those deeper level benefits that come from meditation, all of the brain benefits that come from meditation, you know, you're not getting any of that. And there's so many. And you're not giving your body a chance to, as you said, to like rejuvenate. And restore itself. At all. At all. And it's funny because one of the things you said early when I said talk about your, you know, how you change and you said, well, who doesn't want to feel lighter? And you use yeah. that word. And I think that's a perfect way to say it because I try and explain that to people too. It's like, you know, when people are like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm great. And then it doesn't mean anything g- particularly great is yeah. actually happening, but it's that lightness of feeling that feels fucking yeah. great. Lightness of being. And that feels great. I wake up most days like very content. For no reason. And that's beautiful. And it's not because I'm like bawling out. It's not because I'm in like the romantic relationship of my dreams. It's not because I'm a New York Times bestseller. It's not because it's just because I'm at peace with who I am. That's beautiful. And I can't imagine anything greater than that. No. And it's only because I sit by myself and or not by myself always, but because I sit quietly twice a day. I mean, that's. I mean, so, what are we doing? <laughs> no, but I it's mean? so. I mean, it's true. It's worth the investment. It's just, yeah, it's worth. So the time here's my investment. question for you: For you know, you teach you know a mantra, mm. uh, mantra meditation. What are your thoughts on then Vedic meditation or TM? I mean, I have so many thoughts. I learned TM when I first started. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole thing between the Vedic and the TM, and well, I mean, that's a whole other story, yeah, but yeah, yeah. basically at the core, and I try and explain this to people, it is just a mantra based meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your thoughts on the idea that sometimes I, cause I see it, people come in all wide eyed. They're like, but I have to do this thing called Vedic meditation, yeah. or I have to do this thing called TM, which yeah. are inherently the same, the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, I have to, and look, I never, I always want, I'm like, people need to do whatever's going to work for them is yeah. what I always say. And it's like this polite version of just trying to dispel that this is a very special thing that Mm -hmm. is so unique that you have. I mean, Mm -hmm. look, I have strong opinions clearly about it where I feel like it's part of the reason I opened up the den is because I felt like there was so much of this like exclusivity Mm -hmm. around secrecy and secrecy. secrecy. Mm -hmm. And that really happened with a friend of mine once who was like, my friend won't teach it to me because she said, and I'm like, Oh my God, I'll teach. I'll 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 teach. And this is before I (laughs) I was like, I'll teach you. And that's actually when I was like, that attitude is not okay. Um, because that's, it's ridiculous. Um, so for someone who does teach a mantra based meditation, like what are your opinions? Opinions. So I learned how to meditate with Deepak Chopra, mm-hmm. and that's who I was became a teacher underneath. So I learned primordial sound meditation, mm-hmm. which is a just an offshoot of yeah. Vedic slash TM, which is like yeah. Kleenex and tissues, um, just branded differently. Yeah, everything else is the same, um, to my knowledge. And and I received a mantra, which was based on my birth information, which represents the sound that the earth was vibrating at when I was born, and that's the first thing that I ever meditated with. So. I have a deep relationship with that mantra because of what it has unfolded within me. Right. I say the same thing. I have a respect for it. Yeah. And that mantra is meaningless. It's it's a vibration. In in essence, it's a meaningful vibration because it's this vibration that I heard when I went from being nothing but, you know, potential to being this being that has all these other layers to me, like a body and a mind. And um, that being said, that isn't necessary to meditate. Right. You know, I love mantra meditation. Me too. For a lot of reasons. One of which probably the most prevalent is that it it's a thought. So I don't do I can't meditate for an hour using my breath as a point of focus. 
Um, I don't pay attention to the fact that I'm breathing most of the time. So to like sit down and be like, I'm going to focus on my breath now. That's really challenging for me and for my like New Yorker mind. Mm-hmm. Using a mantra, it's, it's thinking something. It's, you know, it's yep. more effortless than that. So I don't use that word, but essentially you're giving your mind a thought, which is what it wants. It just happens to be a thought that doesn't mean anything to your mind because it's Sanskrit. Right. And I wasn't raised speaking the language of Sanskrit. So that's why I love mantras. Mantras also essentially have been used for thousands of years. You know, so the theory of it is that there's this potency to the, um, the vibration that you're using and, and there's a depth to that, but, but you don't, I mean, you don't need your own mantra to meditate no that's what I was trying to explain to people it's yeah. like you I mean I love I mean look I teach Kundalini too so like I'm all about yeah. like the mantra and the chant yeah. I love it I love it it's like totally it's also silent so that's the other thing sometimes people yes, are like you can when they sil- take my class they're like wait I don't understand am I gonna have to chant that or do I have to chant this now every day and, and you're like, like no, no just in your mind yeah yeah it's um, but it is interesting. Again, look, there's a culture and politics mm-hmm. in every industry. Hundred percent, yeah. And so it is been. It's been fascinating to watch. And that. and it's an it's an industry, and there's it's money and high you know, money being high money. I always that. really appreciated yeah. that um, about about Depox trading that we were never encouraged. Like the price that we were encouraged to charge is like like very very reasonable. Right. Very much very different from you know, pay me $12,000 and I'll give you this mantra that will change your life, you know? Yeah, it is interesting because there is, like you said, there's a secrecy about it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm always like, no, it's a, it's a mantra yeah. and everyone has access like, to I'll mantra. Like I'll tell you whatever you want to know. And the reason, that, right. the reason that you're not supposed to share your mantra, because that's always a big question too, yeah. is like, I was told that you're not supposed to share it. And does that mean that we all have the same one? And it's only because the moment that you start sharing it, it has meaning. Right. The moment that you start using it outside of your meditation, the moment that you start allowing other people's narratives or narr- to get right, imprinted right. on it, it's no longer a meaningless thought, which is where it has the most value for you in your practice. I love that. And, and I think it's so important for people to know. Yeah. Um, t- and with intention, because you talk about that's one of your, mm. you know, the five things. When yeah. you talk about intention, how important... Talk about, I always get a little, and there's differing opinions on it. So I always, I'm always curious to know people's thoughts about with intention. How specific are people supposed to be, in your opinion, when setting intentions? So I think setting intentions and acknowledging desires and what you want are two different things for me. For me, the intention is the the moment to moment the daily thing the weekly thing the monthly thing that you're going to align yourself with to stay on the path to where you want to go right right it's the thing that drives you in in your moments um the thing that sponsors how you're thinking the thoughts you're believing the story you're telling yourself the words you're speaking the actions you're taking and then that leads you to you know hopefully the desired state or the desired destination quote unquote um, in all of my manifesting magic, <laughs> of which there are some moments, I, the, the, the initial stages of like, what do I want for me are always, I always endeavor to have them be very, very broad and very, um, not unfocused, but detached. I really try to assume that I don't know best whenever possible. And any time that I have. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't know best. It's so great once you really like land in that. 
Yeah, we'll keep going. No and then, pressure. Like you don't know best. It's like, oh, great. Yeah. I'll let something else handle it then. <laughs> right. Right. So I think it's important to know like what you want, but really why you want it. That's where I fall on it. Yeah. But then some people are like, no, you have to be super specific, time, color, yeah. this, that. And that always makes me nervous because I'm like, I don't know. I feel like so much of this, again, is about going to the soul and knowing that there's a bigger purpose that we might not always be clear mm-hmm. what direction that is. Yeah. And I, I, I like the why behind it. And I've said yeah. that because I've said that about motherhood before. Because, yeah. like, I've adopted and I try and walk people through it where I'm like, when you get stuck in that muck of, like, things aren't working. Right. And the way it's not working, you just it's have to. It's because it's not working the way you wanted it yes. to work. Yes. And I'm like, and yeah. just remind yourself you can be a mother if you want to be. Yeah. And remember why you wanted to be a mom. Right. And then that's it. And then know it'll happen. Mm-hmm. It just might not look the way you thought yeah. it was supposed to. So that's where I always mm-hmm. come from, which is if we get too locked in, but no, I want this specific job or I want this yeah. versus like, what's behind that? Is it feeling a certain way? Yeah. Is it needing a certain There's always income? a reason why Is we want it, the thing we want. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm with you where I feel like try and channel into what that mm-hmm. is and then ask for help in getting that, yeah. whatever, but be open to however it's going to look. Right. Be open to a, right. Cause I don't know the greatest version of. No, it could be much bigger it, than you possibly it can dream. Will be yeah. Because, oh, by the way, that thing will be in your future, and hopefully you're not the same exact version of yourself as yes. you were when you dreamed that up, right? So you have to exactly. give your dream, like, breath, breath. <laughs> <laughs> to grow with you, yeah, to evolve with you. And also the ability to know that if you're not open to it, you very, very well may miss the package you're asking for in the yeah. first place, which I think happens all the time right, because it's not the thing that we thought we wanted and yes like do the vision board like put up what the, <laughs> what it looks like to you and what it feels like and the color of it and and but allow the essence of it to be what is like, the guiding force yeah I like that especially especially once you start to have like a practice and you feel comfortable like resting because it's it's a lot of we don't like uncertainty so it's another lesson in how comfortable can you be in the discomfort of not knowing exactly what, when, where, why, who. I know. It sucks not to know sometimes. It's funny. I actually don't mind. I kind of sometimes like the uncertainty of things because it reminds me of being a kid and how exciting everything yeah. was. So, like, I've, I've had less problem with, like, change than a lot of people because, mm-hmm. for me, I used to love – I remember, like, pulling up to bus stops and, like, looking out and seeing all the different people yeah. at a bus stop and being like – what am I going to be at that age? I can be anything. <laughs> like, like, yeah, the possibilities were endless and they really yeah. were. Now look, as and, you oh, get, by the way, they still kind of are. And they are. And it's true. As you get older, you feel it a little less mm-hmm. because you might, I hate saying locked in because no one's ever locked in, but yes, you might not. Well, you fit your possibilities into the, the constricted version of your life that you're in right that yes, moment. Exactly. And there's more con there's more of a constriction than then when there's zero. Right. But exactly. I still feel like But all those things are still there. Yeah, and there's always possibility. Energy. So I always kind of like the unknown a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, sometimes I mean we've all been there, right? Like if you think you're supposed to break up with someone or not and you want to ask every psychic <laughs> like every answer, what did it happen? Am I supposed to be with them? like it's funny you just want all the answers. My um I have a really great numerologist in LA. Shout Ooh. out to Josh Siegel. He's the best. I love it. We're getting all these great names. Um and he he, the first time he ever met me, he didn't know anything about me. He didn't know that I used to work in music. He didn't know that I was working for Deepak at the time. And he just like nailed me and knew everything about me based on like my numbers. And, and he go and he, he'll, he'll do his whole reading and then you can engage with him. So he doesn't let you interject at all in the, in the first like download that he's having for you. And, um, and I'll never forget 
he goes, you know, you probably, if you aren't already, you probably will start very much diving into like spirituality. You should definitely do that, but you definitely have the propensity to be like a little bit of a spiritual whore. So I want you to be careful of like <laughs> how many readings you're getting and how many like books you're getting and how many decks you're pulling from and how many. And, and he was right. Cause in that, in that time in my life, I was very much like, do you know the answer? Like, are you my mother? You know, like, it is, do you know, the answer, do you know what I'm supposed to be? Like, do you know who I am? Do you know? And it's funny. And people don't realize like you ask all those questions and it's part of the reason you're insecure is cause you're not actually going to the right place for the answer, which is inside you. Exactly. Yeah. And again, like we were saying before, those external things. Now, when I go see him, it's very much like an affirmation of some things that I was maybe already sensing or yeah. like it's to help me just have another um, completely objective point of view, point of view on things. And, and it, it always leaves me feeling affirmed. It's never, Oh my God, really? Right. Right. This is going to be about this, this year, you know? And, and that's a really great feeling. Do you, and that gives you confidence to totally. lean into you instead of, you know, well, yeah, it's just, it emboldens you to know that you corner. actually have the answers. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do. speaking of that, like, because what I love about th- this book and I love about how you speak is like, again, it is so grounded. What's your woo-woo side or do you not have a woo-woo side? My woo-woo side. I mean. Like, do you believe past lives? Yeah. I believe in all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I believe in past lives. I think, yeah, I think I'm super woo-woo. I think I just sound like someone you would want to get a drink with. But that's a great package because for so many people, it's the only way to accept it. Yeah. I really like, um. Yeah, I like getting dressed up. I like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Like, so yeah, I think my, I think my woo-woo is, it's who I am at this point. And it's authentic. And that's the other thing that we keep kind of circling back to. So the things that aren't authentic yeah. or that don't feel in integrity or whatever it might be with me, don't come into my life. So the things that are kind of out there fit. They feel on brand because they, cause No, it's so true though, because I feel like we spend so much energy like you said, locking on external factors or blaming other people mm-hmm. or, you know, being the victim, all that, that it's like when you release all that energy, you have, you have so much to play with. And yeah. then it's like, you know who you are and you can literally pull in the things that just match, like you said, your brand. Yeah. Yeah. The things that fit and the things that don't fit don't stick. Right. You know? Yeah. I love it. She's very empowering, isn't she? <laughs> it's so great. Do you have like a sign? I like to ask this question. Is there a sign for you that lets you know you're on the right path besides, what's his name? Josh Goldstein. What's, who's your new Oh, Josh. Josh Siegel. Siegel Goldstein. Another good Jew <laughs> Another boy. great Jew, yeah. He's, he we will very much own that. Um, you know, I see, I don't know. I don't have like a specific, like when I see, I have a few different things. I have a few different ways that I connect with my dad in very like, potent ways and so that always feels I always uh music is like a big one um you know I heard a song like the moment he was dying and I like felt him I was I was there with him but I like he waited until my mom and I like left the room and I was in the car and like the minute that anyway that so he and I definitely have music that comes in for us. Um, did, you, was, did you have a music connection with him when he was alive? Like, is yeah, he part of your influence always, for music? He's some, yeah, yeah, he's an influence for sure. And he loved music. Um, and that, that always, like, connects me back to him. Um, I have a lot of, like, physical, like, I wear certain jewelry that's very much, like, a physical totem for me for, like, different things. I, yeah, I don't know. I think I see things... I can kind of make a spiritual metaphor out of everything. And that's like a blessing and a curse because I'm just <laughs> constantly seeing 
connections to things and reminders of things. And sometimes they're reminders for me and sometimes they're reminders for like a client that I'm working with. Um, but I definitely am a believer that you can ask for signs of what you want and you can be really specific about, you know, I want to see a rainbow today. I've seen a lot of rainbows for my dad too. You know, I want to see a rainbow today, you know, or I, I think that I might want to leave my job and I'm really looking for evidence that like, that's the right thing for me. And I want to see that in the form of like hearing the song. So you, it's in the next 48 hours. Like you can be real specific about like that. what the sign has to be about what the sign should be. Yeah. I want to see a bluebird. I want to see. Wow. And then, but, but the other part of that is that you then have to be looking. Right. But I think because of, you know, a byproduct of what I do for a living, I'm just sort of always looking yeah. and seeing other people's signs and translating those. And so. But I love the idea of you have to ask the question. I say that sometimes in my class too. I'm like, mm -hmm. we don't ask the questions, so you're yeah. not going to get the answers. Yeah. You got to actually be willing to ask mm -hmm. the questions. And oh, by the way, like from my experience, I don't usually hear those answers when I ask the question and I always ask them in meditation right, it comes later, it comes later and it comes from a song or a billboard or a rainbow or a text that I get or the thing that pops up that shouldn't have popped up or, and that's the beauty of being present is that you are instantly connected to like these minuscule synchronistic, like energetic nuggets. And the more that you practice noticing them and engaging with them, the more you can harness that, those meaningful coincidences, that synchronistic energy and like get shit done in your life so much faster. <laughs> I love it. That like path of least resistance is very real. I we love make it. it so much harder than we it do. Needs to be. We make er the, the We're things, our own worst enemies. I say this in the book. Like the things that on paper, and I say this all the time to people. The things that on paper seem really impressive took the least amount of effort. It took the most amount of me like trusting and surrendering and being detached from what I think is best. You know, it took the most amount of internal alignment and work and consistency with that, but the least amount of external like organizing and engaging with these things That's and putting things in place. I didn't put anything in place to get a book deal. Amazing. That's you know? such a beautiful message. Or getting for a job people. for Deepak with no like experience in wellness without ever applying right, to it was work just, for Deepak. It's where you were supposed to be. I, bare, I didn't even apply to work for, you know, it's just, it, it supported the underlying why. And I got out of the way of everything else. And, and let listened, it happen. And listened and like picked up that first spiritual breadcrumb that I got and was like, oh, okay, let's go this direction. So we all need to be a little more Hansel and Gretel and yeah. pick up more breadcrumbs. Pick up more spiritual breadcrumbs. And don't wait till you have 37 to be like, oh, maybe this is where I should be going. <laughs> That's right? also true. Like, I feel like people like, need a lot of convincing. Yeah, pick up like three and tr like surrender into that path and see what that feels like. That... Okay, on that we're doing it four years because that's powerful <laughs> and amazing. And it's so true because we fight ourselves and I feel like we need a lot of convincing yeah. to do something that it's like, how many times can someone slap you in the face? Right. And or, then you lose an organ and then, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. And yeah. then it's like something awful happens. And it's like, happens. oh, maybe something's wrong. <laughs> right? It's so true. Okay, so four quick questions, oh, yeah. four takeaways. Do you journal or have a daily practice? I know you have a daily practice, but do you journal? I don't, you journal? I don't daily journal anymore. I did a lot of journaling when I was young. Um, I do a lot of voice memos, though. Huh. I'll record myself if I have, like, a thought, a download, if you will. I'll, I'll do Smart. a lot of those. Mm -hmm. You can transcribe it for free on Apple. I should it's do candy. that because I hate, I'm not a journaler either. Yeah, I always really want like to be. To I love the idea of being I love a the consistent idea. journaler. 
I mean, with a nice warm yeah. like journal and like the pen, like cup of coffee. By the way, I don't pen. drink coffee either. But the whole idea around the whole yeah, thing. yeah, the whole thing. It's real vibey. I, I agree. Yeah, but no, I don't. And it was never me. Um, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? Um, first thing I do when I wake up, aside from like the you know physiological things, um, <laughs> I usually work out first, and then I meditate. What's your go-to workout? I like to, I'm taking this precision running class, this like very intense interval <laughs> running class. Oh my God. And I like to box and I like to cool. spin. All right. I like it. And then like some like weight training. I've been really on my like workout grind this year. I was going to say you're very well rounded yeah. with your physical. Yeah. That's usually given my, like my dream morning would be that. And then coming home, meditating and then having, well, I can't drink coffee right now, but having like a tea or a coffee mm-hmm. and like in a very leisurely morning. That sounds amazing. I like, love a leisurely morning. I don't blame you. Yeah, I love Who doesn't? Morning. I would love to have a leisurely morning. <laughs> um, what's your guilty pleasure? Oh, man. I don't feel guilty about too many pleasures. <laughs> we're being honest. My guilty pleasure, I've recently started ordering a lot of things on Amazon. Like, mm-hmm. I ordered a like I ordered a lipstick on Amazon. I order everything on I Amazon. Ordered, and I know it's not allowed anymore, I quote unquote. Fe- I really enjoy, <laughs> you know, it's not allowed. I really enjoy, like, browsing Amazon lately. That's I don't feel great about that because it's not the most productive thing. And also... <laughs> I totally understand. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. I also go and get, um, like, hot food from Erewhon, which is, like, the bougiest L.A. store, if any of you are listening, not in L.A., like, $20 overpriced for every single thing you could get. That's a guilty pleasure. Like, I don't, I can make food. I'm a good cook. But I, I get go, it. I will go and pick up food. Amazon's one for me, too. It's uh-huh. just, and I know, I know everyone's like, ah, it's the worst thing in the world. But it's, it makes your life so, it's so easy. so easy. And I will, you know, to circle back, I will binge watch a show. I mean, I was going to say. And I don't feel great could, about that. But I, do, I love I it. enjoy it. But I really enjoy it. <laughs> I, and my problem with my binge watching, which I do a lot of because I love TV, is I get to the point it becomes like no, I you, have to finish yeah, it. Yeah. So then it's more like I'm putting in the time to get it done so I can make more time for other things. Right. So I'm like, um, I need this over yeah. so I can now so move I can now on. Live my life. It's horrible. It's like takes over. Okay. If you, I don't know if you have any, but if you were going to get a tattoo this week. Oh, I have week, several. Ooh. Mm. Well, then I want to know about the ones you have. Yeah. But if you were going to get a new one this week, what would it be? It's so funny. I was thinking about, so I have my dad's handwriting on my arm. Oh, oh he had it, nice handwriting. He had nice handwriting, right? Jesus Thanks, Daddy. <laughs> I took, um, it says Love Always, and it was off of a really meaningful card he wrote me. So I brought that into the thing. And I've thought about, this week, I thought about getting the, the dad, Blake, added to it. I kind of love that. So... I was thinking about that, so maybe you're my sign. There you I go. I should go do it. Um, and then I have I've never a, asked anyone that question. Oh, really? So not yeah. I got my first tattoo um, with my, actually two of them with my dad. My dad and I got our first tattoos together. Oh. I was 17. I made a whole presentation for my parents about why <laughs> I wanted to get a tattoo and why I would always care about it and why it was the best thing that I could get. On the lower tram back. Stamp. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's a little higher than a tram stamp, like a suggestive stamp. Um... <laughs> And, uh, and he got one with me. My mom went to the Treasure Island next door while we were getting that done. <laughs> oh my God, I love you <laughs> It's like you guys. so Jersey. <laughs> love um, it. And I got one on the back of my neck. Those are both like Irish knots, like Celtic tattoos. And, and do I you have still like crush. your first one? No, I, I don't see, like I my know. first It's a hard one. age. This is the, the one on my arm is the only one I would keep. Because it actually is meaningful Cause to it's, you. Cause, yeah, because I love it. And I love it aesthetically. The other one, aesthetically, the other ones are like... Not my, but that's the thing. At that anymore. age, you're not. It's yeah. so funny because I actually had the wherewithal. So I wanted one too, and I was like, 
I'm going to hate this when I'm older. I'm going to hate this when I'm older. And like, I didn't do it. I'm actually, I know I'm impressed with myself in hindsight. My dad was like, yes, and I'll get one too. (laughs) Because he wanted one. That's so funny. But it is true. And it's that thing you can't tell a 17 year old no, No. but you do want to be like, I have nothing against tattoos, but chances are you're going to be annoyed. This is on your skin in like 10 years. I usually make (laughs) myself want it for like a year. Like I made myself really want this one for That's a while. That's how I got mine. I never thought I'd want any tattoos. Yeah. And then I was just drawing it on myself every day. Oh, uh, yeah. So once I drew That's it great. on myself for every year, I was like, you're good. You yeah. can put like it on you. Like you still want it, yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. And it, by the way, the guy did such a shitty job. It looks like I still draw it on Let my side. See. see, it's like missing like ink and oh. it's like blotch, blotchy and stuff. But I actually have never changed it because part of me is like, you know what? That's exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And I was drawing it. So let it be we the can drawing. Make it really spiritually significant. Life, you know, well, is, is not consistent. Life is about completing the circle. Knowing well, that's that what it was for me. Isn't gonna be, you know. It was about truth for me. Yeah. So it's exactly that. Truth, truth is not in. neat. Truth it's is fucking neat. messy sometimes. Just yeah. like your tattoo. So I do. <laughs> there you go. I love it. You can make a spiritual <laughs> metaphor out of anything. Amazing. You are awesome. She's going to do her personal practice. And lucky us, it's going to be a presence meditation, mm. which is what we were talking about, five to ten minutes. But you are so fun to have on here. We'll have to have you back. I know. It's so much fun. It's yeah. Great. No, you're great. And it's like you are literally just super real. And <laughs> I mean, I hate always using the word authentic, but it is because it's a little overplayed, don't you think? Yeah. But it is very true with what yeah. it I mean. It's a hard, but this it's time a hard, she means it, you I guys. do mean it. <laughs> but it's a hard word to replace because it says exactly what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, but you are very authentic oh, and thanks. it's it's great. And yeah. I love the jersey in you. It's there. It is. It's hard to lose our jersey. It's never gone. I'm very proud of my jersey. Yeah, it's never gone. But thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. (laughs) So now Megan's going to lead us in her personal practice, which is a presence meditation. All right. So getting into whatever position feels the most comfortable for you right now. Once you've done that, go ahead and gently close your eyes. And we'll start by taking a few deep breaths together. Long, slow inhale through the nose. Open mouth, audible exhale. Again, long, slow inhale. Exhaling everything out through your mouth. One more deepest inhale yet. Pausing at the top of that breath for four, for three, for two. Seeing if you can't sip in a little more air and sighing everything out. And then allowing that breath to become natural and relaxed, moving in and out through your nose. And we'll take this first minute or so to fully arrive here, knowing that your mind is often in a very different place from your physical body. beginning to notice what you notice. Notice any sounds you hear. And 
Notice what you can feel with your physical body. The air on your skin. The points of contact where your hands are resting. Maybe you can sense your heartbeat. Maybe you begin to notice where you feel that breath in your body. Allowing yourself to already begin to settle into that witnessing awareness. That space where you get to simply notice what you notice without getting involved, without deciding how you feel about it. That space where you have endless opportunities to rest in what is with complete acceptance, with complete non-judgment, And so beginning to check in with yourself. How are you feeling physically? Ask the question and notice what you notice with complete acceptance and non-judgment. How are you feeling mentally? Ask the question. Notice what you notice with complete acceptance and non-judgment. How are you feeling emotionally? Ask the question and notice what you notice with complete acceptance and non-judgment. Resting completely in where you are and who you are right now. And then begin to invite in the silent and gentle repetition of the mantra, so hum, so hum. If your mind is feeling turbulent, you can link that mantra with your breath as you inhale, silently repeat so, as you exhale, hum. knowing that it is in the nature of your mind to wander when you notice that you've drifted to another thought, to a sound, to a sensation in your body. 
with that same detachment and acceptance, notice where your mind has gone and gently bring yourself back. So hum. So hum. Notice where your mind is. Continue to come back. So hum. And with your eyes remaining closed, gently releasing the repetition of the mantra. Beginning to once again notice your inhale and exhale. That physical sensation that always anchors you back to this present moment. Begin to notice as well that space, however brief, that exists after you exhale, before you take that next breath in. Mm -hmm. 
Notice the space between your breath. After you exhale, before you take that next breath in, notice the pure presence that resides in that space, the stillness. and the ever-present opportunity to retreat into that space and take a break, to notice what you notice, and to decide how you want to be and who you want to be in that next moment, in that next breath. And so with all that in mind, with that intention to continue to come back to your present moment and to proceed with intention, taking one final deep breath in, once again pausing at the top, Exhaling everything out, surrendering all of the details over. Trusting in this moment that you have done absolutely everything that you need to do. Letting your breath gradually begin to deepen as it carries you back into the space that you're sitting in, back into your body where it feels comfortable inviting in some subtle movement, letting all of your senses come back online and wake back up. And when you're ready, in your own time, allowing your eyes to float open gently. Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks podcast, and join us there. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 